are Locked On Lions, your daily Detroit Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, everybody. It is another edition of Locked On Lions right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Matt Derry with you. What is going on on this Tuesday, April 4th into Wednesday, April 5th? Hopefully you're having a nice day. And today's Lions podcast, our Locked On Lions broadcast for today is brought to you by Lenhard Financial Services for all of your investing and retirement planning needs. Call Tim Lenhard today at 313-417-3805 or go to his website, lenhardfs.com. A lot going on, of course, around the NFL. The big news today, and I want to get to that. Do you care about your broadcasters and who you listen to on a regular basis when it comes to the big games? We'll get into that. Also, Michael Rothstein covers the Lions for ESPN.com. He is their Lions beat writer. We will talk Lions Nation reporter for ESPN. We'll talk to Mike Rothstein coming up in a little bit here on Lockdown Lions, get his thoughts on the offseason and where he thinks the Lions are headed as we approach April 27th and the NFL draft. And here's one thing I wanted to get to. And here's, I'll make a little bit of a concession. As being a broadcast guy and being in the business for the last 20 years or whatever, and it's been nice, <coughs> to be honest with you, in getting away from uh, radio and TV on a daily basis. I love dabbling in the podcast, and I appreciate you listening. And if you're enjoying listening, uh, hit me up uh, uh, on Twitter at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks, or on the Matt Derry Facebook fan page. But I'm interested in, in, in people's reaction to this question. You know, When you think of your broadcast teams, I thought a few years ago, listening to Mike Tirico and John Gruden on Monday Night Football was absolutely awesome. It was one of my favorite things to listen to, to enjoy. Um, I just thought that broadcast was top-notch. And, you know, as good as it got when it came to listening to the NFL. And growing up on Madden and Summerall, when Pat Summerall was on the play-by-play and John Madden was on was on color, was, was great. I never really thought Jim Nance and Phil Sims were that great of a broadcast duo. I think Jim Nance does a, a terrific job. You know, Al Michaels for years, um, you know, with Chris Collinsworth has, has been okay. But as far as broadcast, you know, crews, um, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I don't know if, if fans care as much anymore because they're flipping around to so many different games and they're watching Red Zone and they're going out to, to the bar or to Buffalo Wild Wings or whatever it is and, and, and checking you know, checking out games, but I knew as a kid, you knew it was a big game when a Brent Musburger was calling a game, or when you listen to Madden and Summerall. Um, Like I said, I really liked when Mike Tirico was on the Monday night games with John Gruden. But today, the big news is that Tony Romo, after 14 years, 14 years in the NFL, Tony Romo is retiring to move on to CBS to become the number one analyst on their NFL games and work the big the, the biggest of the big games and and some of the Thursday night games and the games in prime time, you know the four o'clock game with Jim Nance. He'll be the number one analyst on CBS. Tony Romo. Now you know I've heard Tony Romo talk. I've heard him in press conferences and everything else. But kind of a stunning move. Phil Sims has been demoted, and according to some of his reps. He has not been fired. He still has years left on his contract, but he's being being demoted off of the top team. And Sean McManus on a conference call today from CBS said 
that, you know, Tony Romo talks to them started after the season. They really like how he sounds. Romo said his decision to retire and not go play for the Houston Texans or another team was sorely, solely uh, based on CBS making him an offer I guess he couldn't refuse. Tony Romo has no experience broadcasting games. He's only going to be the fifth or the um, fifth lead analyst in CBS NFL history after Pat Summerall, Tom Brookshire, John Madden, and Phil Simms. Now, number one, I'm commending CBS for pulling the trigger on, on us having to listen to Phil Simms every week, um, staying, saying the word heme instead of him, uh, over-talking, master of the obvious. I thought Phil Simms was average at best. I think CBS's coverage of games, their camera angles, um, some of the things that they do, it beats Fox for sure. I love the amount of replays that CBS gives us as opposed to Fox. Uh, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, I think, are fine. I think they do a nice job. But I think CBS does a better broadcast. But, you know, I, I guess I question that a guy who's never done it before in Tony Romo and has never broadcast NFL games before is going to be the number one analyst. If I'm Dan Fouts, if I'm Trent Green, who I think is an up-and-coming analyst, I'm ticked off. Like, why wouldn't they have moved up one of those guys to the number one job with Jim Nance? Now, maybe it was Tony Romo versus, or excuse me, it was CBS versus the Houston Texans or something with Romo, who says he can still play. And there's one AFC general manager who told Mike Freeman today from Bleacher Report he thinks 100% that Romo will eventually come back. But I, I just kind of find this fascinating that CBS is pulling the trigger on Phil Simms and demoting him, but they're moving Tony Romo up to be the number one analyst. I, I don't know. It's something that I'm not saying it's a bad move, but he's never he's never broadcast before. And like I said, as an old broadcast guy and guy in his 40s who, you know, and I worked my way up and I went to college for it and I went to Syracuse and I worked at the student station and I ran and got McDonald's for the seniors as a freshman and, and, and you know, uh, cleaned the studios all the way to senior year calling games. Tony Romo's never broadcast before and you're going to move him up as the number one analyst? I think this is a huge risk by CBS. I commend them for getting rid of Phil Sims on the big games. But moving in a guy that's never done it before, we'll see how he does. But this is a huge news because Romo says he can still play. And Romo believes he can still play. And the Cowboys were obviously looking to trade him and find a trade partner. And that didn't happen. And Romo asked for his release. And he said all the right things, saying that Jerry Jones supports him and always had supported him. Just found this very, very interesting today that a guy with no experience ever broadcasting games is going to be the number one analyst on CBS for their football games. And it's obvious they weren't happy with the job Phil Sims did, went after Tony Romo and got him. I'll be interested to hear how he sounds. I like that Sims is gone, but I think it's unfair to guys like Dan Fouts and Trent Green, who's worked for the last three years, the former Rams and, and Chiefs quarterback, who I think has done really well as an analyst in the games that I've heard him. These guys are being bypassed for a guy in Tony Romo that has never done it before. So I found that to be very, very interesting. Don't forget Locked On Pistons with Dan Feldman. Locked On NFL Draft. Those guys do a whale of a job. John Ledyard and Luke Easterling. Check those guys out right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. All of your podcasts for football, all the NFL teams, all the NBA teams are right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. you got to check that out. 
I always enjoy the visit with Michael Rothstein from ESPN.com. Covers the Lions. Give me a couple of minutes here on Locked On Lions. Hey, Mike. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing well, buddy. Yourself? Um, it's great. It doesn't feel like April outside, though, which is uh, really sad, honestly. It's too cold for it to be April. It feels like early March. It does. It, it really does. There's no question about it, Mike. Uh, what are your impressions of where the Lions are right now with a few weeks to go before the draft? Where where do you view this football team, and, and how impressed have you been with what Bob Quinn has done so far this offseason? Uh, that's a twofold question. Right now, obviously, they're going through all their prospects. They're trying to solidify their draft board and understand maybe running through different scenarios, different mock drafts. Because, listen, as much as we all read mock drafts, teams do those as well because they want to be prepared for every possible scenario. So you look at those things. That's really where the Lions, I think, are right now. They're trying to solidify everything, make sure they know exactly what they're going to be going into at the end of this month because they do have a lot of needs, and I'm sure we'll hit on those a little bit later. As far as what Bob Quinn has done, it's remarkably similar to last year because last year everybody talked about one thing with the Lions, which was they need to improve their offensive line. Well, what they do in free agency, they ignored their offensive line, and they focused heavily on it in the draft. This year, Bob Quinn looked the roster at least looked that they needed a lot of help on defense and they needed help on the offensive line still but they needed a lot of help on defense well they just brought in a lot of depth on defense maybe one starter in paul warlow but that's it it was just depth they focused on the offensive line why because it's a very deep defensive draft so i think that bob quinn has done pretty much exactly what i thought he might do which is get a couple splash guys, one, maybe two, not the guys I thought he'd get, to be fair. I thought he'd go after some defensive guys. But he did a good job upgrading areas that this team needed to improve at. And if he's able to have a second good draft, because I think most people would agree his first draft was pretty strong, then the Lions are on their way to being a contender to unseat the Packers in the NFC North as long as they can stay healthy. You know, I want to piggyback on a couple of things you just brought up, Mike. Uh, Let's start with Paul Warlow and the linebacking core. Yesterday they signed another depth guy and Nick Bloor away from the 49ers, who's obviously still out there. So how many starters do they currently have on their roster right now that are linebackers, would you say? One. I mean, from a a pay standpoint, probably two in Warlow and Tyre Whitehead. But in reality... One, and that's Whitehead, whether that's in the middle or at the will spot on the outside. I think that their Sam linebacker could end up being Antoine Williams, and if he has a really big jump, maybe he ends up being able to play a different linebacker position, and that gives them more flexibility. But right now, as I look at this roster, the only guy that I feel comfortable saying that guy should be a starter this year is Tyre Whitehead. And I think everything else will be in question. And listen, Whitehead, while he had a ton of tackles last year, wasn't an impact defensive player by any means. No sacks, right. no real fumble, you know, no fumble recoveries, no real fumble forces. Uh, wasn't that great against the run for about half the year. So even then, depending how they draft and if there's a late move in free agency, maybe they try to upgrade there too. But 
I would imagine that at middle linebacker, that's a place you want to have a veteran. That's a place you want to have some comfort, uh, especially with all the questions around the defense otherwise. So Whitehead gives you that. And that's why I would say I believe right now he is the only guy that I look at and say, yeah, he is definitely a starter, although the Lions are clearly paying Paul Warlow as they, if they expect him to start this year. Michael Rothstein, ESPN.com, joining me, covers the Lions, does a great job. I, I said it yesterday, the other day on the show, on the podcast, I, I really think that the, the biggest need for this team is linebacker, and it's not even close. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, just because of all the things we just mentioned. I think every other position on the roster, it's either a depth question or it's they are looking at maybe needing one starter, but they have a guy on the roster that they can feel good about. Like defensive end, the Lions probably want to upgrade from Kerry Hyder or Cornelius Washington opposite Ezekiel Ansah, but if it's not there in the draft, they can grab a vet and Listen, Kerry Hyder might beat out whoever they get anyway to be a starting defensive end because if he plays like he did last year, that's, they're in pretty good shape potentially as long as they can get some more pass rush. But I think that's schematic and also needing to get some more from the interior of the line, which they've started to rebuild as well. And I think you'll see Sean Robinson improve there. So, uh, yeah, I, this, that's the long answer for saying I believe linebacker is still their biggest need. I I don't necessarily think it's close, but there are a lot of other needs that could get addressed before linebacker in the draft because, as we all know, it depends how the draft falls. Pass rusher is an extreme need as well, but they could potentially get a pass rushing linebacker, even though it doesn't totally fit their scheme, and maybe hit both things there. So there are a lot of options for what Detroit could do. I think it's why when you look at mock drafts, there hasn't been too much consistency on positions or players because, A, they're at number 21 and so much can happen, and B, because there is the need at linebacker. There is the need at defensive end as a pass rusher. There is kind of a need at running back. There is a definite need at receiver beyond Golden Tate and Marvin Jones. There is a need at tight end because that position group, other than Eric Ebron, is in flux. So, you look at all of those things and you're like, wow, this team has a lot of questions still, even after free agency. But I think if you look around the league, a lot of teams are that way as well. All right, Michael, hang on for one second. We'll continue with Mike Rothstein in a minute. First, though, i got to tell you about Tim Lenhard and the folks at Lenhard Financial Services. You know, Tim always tells me that financial planning is very similar to football. You game plan, you call the right plays, you put all you've got into every play, and you depend on your big performers. At Lenhard Financial Services, they're one of those big performers. All right, They're committed to helping you pursue your financial goals, whether it's saving for your retirement, managing your taxes, generating income, or even paying for college. Lenhard Financial Services can create the most suitable game plan for you. You got to give Tim a call. Tim Lenhard, L E N H A R D. Give him a call at 313 417 3805. Start changing your fortunes today. Tim is a fantastic guy, huge sports fan, great family man. And he and his, and his brother and everybody involved at Lenhard Financial, they do a whale of a job. Don't believe me? Go to the website and look for yourself at Lenhard, L-E-N-H-A-R-D-F-S, LenhardFS.com. Or call them at 313-417-3805. It's a call that could put you on your way toward the end zone right now and in the future. 
Lanhard Financial Services securities offered through LPL Financial, member FDIC, SIPC. From, from, from your talks with Bob Quinn and from listening to what he had to say recently in Phoenix, what, what percentage would you give him in taking a running back at number 21, or would you put it at zero? I wouldn't put it at zero because I think it depends how the draft falls. If, if Leonard Fournette's sitting there at 21, that probably means a good amount of defensive impact players are gone. And if that's the case, I think maybe you say, okay, Leonard Fournette's a really good player. He is maybe the best player available on the board, and he fits a role with the Lions. At that point, I think you have to at least consider taking him. I I think Christian McCaffrey's another player that makes some sort of sense at 21, although I would look more toward a defensive player over McCaffrey. Receiver-wise, I mean, if Corey Davis is there or Mike Williams slips, I think you have to at least look at it. At the end of the day, I would imagine they take a defensive player at 21, but I could see them taking a running back, a wide receiver, or, or even a tight end, honestly, if O.J. Howard somehow, and I don't ex- I expect him to be gone way, way before this, but if he's somehow sitting there at 21, I, I think they have to look at it. The only positions that I can look at and say, I can't see them taking anyone at 21 at that position are quarterback, offensive line. Everything else, I think, is on the table depending how the draft falls. And listen, depending how that falls, too, you could easily see Bob Quinn trying to trade back or trade up. I think that this number 21 spot is so nebulous that anything can really happen, and it's what makes it so difficult to predict. Wow, nebulous. There's your uh, there's your Syracuse education. <laughs> uh, occasionally it comes through. <laughs> All right, Mike, what about what about this scenario? Two of your cohorts, Mike O'Hara at the Lions website and and Dave Burkett at the Free, both both mocking at one point Jabril Peppers at 21. What what about that spot and, and you know, strong safety? Peppers is an interesting case to me. I I've said it since the jump with him. You need to have a defensive coordinator who has a very specific plan for how to use him early on because he can do so many things. And you saw that at Michigan. He can play safety. He can be an in-the-box linebacker. I mean, in a pinch, he can play corner. I don't think any team is going to be using him there. You can use him on offense. He's a dynamic returner, so he solves potentially your return problem with whatever team takes him if there is one. If there's a team that has a return problem, someone will obviously take him. So... I think he's an intriguing player. I think that Terrell Austin is a type of defensive coordinator that could really get the most out of him. You know, some of you were talking when New England at 32 that, man, that would be a great fit for him because of what Belichick is able to do and what Matt Patricia is able to do and how they see him. Well, Terrell Austin is very similar in, in his creativity. So... I think that it would be an interesting fit. But while there is a giant need at safety because three of their top four safeties are free agents after this season, Glover Quinn, Tavon Wilson, and Don Carey, I think you have bigger questions and bigger needs, particularly because you have a guy who you believe in, in Miles Killebrew, who plays a very similar role to what Peppers will be. 
And Killebrew, if all goes well, I mean, there's a chance he could be the starting strong safety this year, but definitely a chance that he could be the starting strong safety in 2018. So are you drafting over him already when you think he's a good player? And that, to me, is, I think, at the end, what the concern would be with drafting Gabriel Peppers. If they didn't have Miles Killebrew, I think it's it's a really intriguing situation. That, that's what I was going to kind of follow up with you about is, and you're, you're around this team every day, how high are they on Killebrew? I, I thought for, for, for stretches of last year, especially on third downs, he did a really nice job in the open field. You know, nobody, nobody did anything against the pass in terms of, you know, intercepting a football, maybe the, you know, Raphael Bush here and there, uh, and, and Darius Slay. But, um, you know, as far as Killebrew, what do they, what do they honestly think of him? And like you said, what are the chances he could start this year? They like him a lot. There's no question about that. Jim Caldwell mentioned him. I granted he was kind of asked about him, but he mentioned him at the mentioned him at the owners' meetings. Him and Antoine Williams, the linebacker, as guys that they think could take the jump in 2017. I, I think if you've looked at this team and you watch Killebrew play, that's realistic, and it makes sense because Killebrew came from a smaller school. He told me during the season he didn't expect to play any defense at all last year. He thought he was going to be special teams only player while he was learning how to play defense on the NFL level and he ended up carving out a pretty important role for himself as a third down safety hybrid linebacker so I believe they're really high on him and I would imagine they're going to give him a shot to push Tavon Wilson this year and depending how Tavon Wilson plays and depending how Glover Quinn plays I think that there will be a chance that he ends up as a starter in 2018 Nothing, as we all know, is guaranteed. Glover's getting up there a little bit in years. Uh, Tavon Wilson's still in the prime of his career. And I think that both of them played particularly well last year. I thought that they were both underrated as far as what they did for the Lions. And how Killebrew fits into that will be one of the bigger questions, I think, of the spring and definitely in training camp. This year, that would maybe be an underrated position battle: Wilson versus Killebrew versus whoever else they might bring in. Final thing for Mike Rothstein from ESPN.com: I, I love the fact that you know it appears the Lions are going to be playing the Patriots in Week Three of the preseason. I think the preseason is too long, everything else, but there's one game that you kind of need to judge your team on going into the regular season. No better thing, I guess, and for, for fans too than to have Tom Brady and the Patriots come to town. Uh, what was your thoughts on that? Nah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm overhyping this. Yeah, man, it's preseason football. Like, it's honestly preseason football. And you can only get so much from preseason week three. As everybody knows in Detroit, the 0 16 2008 Detroit Lions were what in the preseason, Derry? Right, 4 4 0, four and oh, yeah. So you can only read so much from the preseason. And to me, yes, it's intriguing for a lot of reasons because Tavon Wilson's a guy who, hey, he was with the Patriots. It might be the only time he plays the Patriots because the Lions were there a few years ago and they're not on the – I think they, uh, they're, they should be on the schedule, I think, maybe next year or 2020 because they played the AFC West in 2019. So I, I don't remember exactly when they're on the schedule again. But Or, or, the, or the Lions are going to see him in the Super Bowl this year. Okay, so either 2018 or 2020. I mean, listen, I think this team has improved. I'm not ready to go on that on that limb yet. So I think it's it's intriguing 
because, it, yes, it will give you a good look. But let's be honest, neither one of these teams are really game planning for the other team. It's almost like, and this is how I've always viewed preseason, it's, you know, like they're scrimmages that get you ready and and you're working on stuff that you're working on. Remember, I mean, 2013, going back there, Larry Wolford was the backup, really, until the season started. You, you looked at their safety position last year with that Raphael Bush, Tavon Wilson competition last year, which is one of the more interesting ones of last year's training camp. That was, I believe, at that point, I'd have to go back and check my notes, but I believe Bush was still the leader at that point, and, and he, Wilson won the job. So... I think that it's intriguing only for the fact that you're going to get a look against a quality opponent. But other than that, uh, there's not much to read into. It was a few years ago, and my memory might not be completely right here, but wasn't it a few years ago where the Lions absolutely beat the pants off the Patriots in the preseason? Yes, yes. What was that, 2013? Yeah, like three, three, four years ago, yeah. Yeah, so I think it, no, it was definitely 2013 because I didn't cover. So, and I, I come on just after that game, actually. So, 2013, they beat the pants off the Patriots. And what happened in the regular season? Lions didn't make the playoffs. Stuart Schwartz was fired. And the Patriots did pretty well. So, again, I, it's a tough thing for me to look at and say, yeah, you can really get a lot of out of it other than it's a quality opponent that you're going to be playing. So maybe you're able to get a few things here and there. But as we all know, as we've been talking for way too long about the preseason right now, as we all know, the most important thing in the preseason is that your players get out of it healthy. That's the only thing that fans should really care about during the preseason because everything else, for the most part, is just hype. Mike, always great to catch up, my friend. Uh, Appreciate the time. Hey, no problem. Anytime. All right, Michael, thank you. There he is, Michael Rothstein. Read him on ESPN.com, the Lions beat writer and Lions Nation reporter for ESPN.com, fellow Syracuse Orange. Appreciate my man Mike giving us some time today. That'll wrap things up for another edition of Locked On Lions on this Tuesday into Wednesday. Thank you for listening. Thanks to the folks at Lenhart Financial Services bringing you today's podcast. For all your investing and retirement planning needs, call Tim Lenhard, 313-417-3805, or go to lenhardfs.com. We'll talk to you again tomorrow, and pray for Sean.